0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast. Making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. Good evening. It's 5.32 p.m. Central Time, so do we call that good afternoon? It's a late afternoon, early evening evening here in West Texas. But welcome everyone. It is Sunday, January the 23rd, 2022. It is currently 5:32 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the empty sanctuary of Victory Baptist Church located right here in the middle of nowhere Texas. And I have been just kind of walking around for the last few minutes going what what am I going to say? What 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 can I Offer it on this very, 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 very important topic that hasn't already been said. What can I really do to help anyone here on the with this subject? What what do, do I just skip this subject? And I'm like, nope, not going to skip it because that's the whole th- reason we use the Bible study curriculum is it forces us to study something that maybe we would be tempted. <laughs> no, did, did, you, did you see what I just did? Maybe we would be tempted to just say, you know what? We, we've we already talked about this. I've studied this a million times. Let's just move on. But even though I am tempted to just say, you know what? This week, let's do something completely different. Let's just ignore the Bible study curriculum. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to force us to stop and to spend this week looking at a subject that maybe you have it all figured out maybe you don't have it all figured out i'm going to i'm going to put forth the the theory the idea the thesis that i think there's a lot of misunderstanding in regards to the topic because we have a tendency to reduce this topic to really one thing and i think that's a little i think that's a little uh how can I say it? I think it's a little misleading and it's unhelpful and it may even actually be detrimental to a correct understanding of it. All right. So, so I say all of that to say, welcome to a new week of Bible study. Yes, I'm, I, I you can tell that I'm, I'm having a hard time in, know, in knowing exactly what we should do this week, but that's great. That's great because I want you to Because there's probably a part of you that's like, well, this is simple, and maybe it is. Maybe maybe I'm going to make it too complicated, but I think we just need to get a better understanding of it. So this week, for our Bible study exercise, we are going to be focusing in on Genesis chapter 39, specifically verses 1, I think we're going to go all the way down to to at least verse 12, Genesis 39. 1 through 12. If you look at the Bible study curriculum for this week, um, it is Genesis 39, 1 through 12. So that's where they stop it. Genesis 39, 1 through 12. That is the scripture. So you're going to be reading that over and over and over and living with it, living in it, breathing it, discussing it, talking about it. But from Genesis 39, 1 through 12, we're going to lift from this section one major topic. And that topic is temptation. The subject of temptation, as I've already, I've kind of already used the word that we could be tempted to go. well, we, I mean, how many bazillions of sermons have you heard on the subject of temptation? How many discussions have you had on the subject of temptation? And I think what we have a tendency to do is we reduce temptation to really just one area just to one area, like you are tempted only for that kind of sin. And then temptation doesn't have any other relationship to you other than that one kind of sin. And I think that is just not a right way of thinking about it. All right. So let's go to the text. Genesis 39. Now, remember, this is introduction. This is introduction. With my introduction is what I typically do is I give you lots of assignments. I try to get you started. I try to get you, you know, pointed in the right direction I don't necessarily try to give you all of the teaching on our introduction episodes because we know we have a long week in front of us, a long week in front of us. And I hope that you will give this subject some serious thought. And I cannot wait to hear all of that sound. That's all of the new podcasts coming to the Edify Christian podcast app, all of the new episodes that are dropping. That's what all of those notifications are, if you hear that in the background. But I hope that this week... I really hope this sparks serious conversation. I really do. Because I think uh, I think everyone has certain ideas maybe about this that may not even be biblical. So I think we're really, we're really, I think we're in for a, I want to say, I think we're in for a good week of Bible study. I don't, I think this is going to be a, a a struggle this week. I think there's going to be some struggles this week. Maybe I'm wrong. I think there's going to be some struggles because I think we're going to have to all kind of maybe re- Rethink our perspective on this very important subject. Here we go Genesis 39. Genesis 39. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him bought him out of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. Now, Genesis 39, if you remember last week's Bible study, we ended last week's Bible study with Joseph being betrayed by his brothers and sold into slavery. Then his brothers went and deceived Jacob, Joseph's father all right? That's how we ended last week, and we talked about spiritual pitfalls, the spiritual pitfalls of, of betrayal, the spiritual pitfall of deception, the spiritual pitfall of favoritism, the spiritual pitfall of our words, our communication, of, of cultural influence, of, of family. We talked about all of those spiritual pitfalls. Now, this week, So that sets us up for this. This, this is why we can go immediately to this chapter because now we know how Joseph ended up here, right? So Joseph could be from a human perspective. This is very important. I think we need to see this. And, and, and I think, I think it's awesome that we just flow from Genesis 37 and that we, in a sense, skipped 38 and we go directly to 39 because I don't want us, because I want us to feel the weight of what just happened. So, so just, I just want you to really try to, I want to paint this out. You're Joseph, all right? You have a great life. You're your dad's favorite. You're getting dreams. That maybe you understand they are coming from God, but they seem to signify something great happening that you have some set you 're going to be in some position of prominence, some position of power, and that there 's something big you feel maybe is coming you wear walking around in a coat of many colors that your father gave you showing you that you have a, pos, a position of 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 being a favorite, of, of maybe of power. You're, you're special, right? There, there's Everything seems to be going great and wonderful in your life. And then you go to check on your brothers one day because your father sends you out to go check on them. And the next thing you know, your brothers betray you, throw you in a pit, and you're a slave. Now, I don't know about you. If I find myself in that p- p- position that my brothers just messed me over and I got sold and now I'm no a slave. I can just tell you this, my first thoughts would probably not be on serving God, serving my, the, the people who bought me into slavery, who, who bought me as a slave. I may be thinking, how can I escape, get back to my brothers and make them pay? I don't know if my, my thoughts would be, okay, I've been bought a slave. I'm going to be the best slave I can be. No, no, no. I would have been like, how do I get out of slavery so I can make my brothers pay? wait till I get back to my father, uh, because my father is not, he would be so upset because I'm his favorite. But Joseph seems to just focus on, well, this is the situation I'm in. What can I do? I can glorify God. I can serve God. I can do what I'm supposed to do. It's just amazing mindset that we find here in Joseph. All right. So verse two, and the Lord was with Joseph, And he was a prosperous man and was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now, please note, God is with him, meaning that no matter there's betrayal, there's been deception, there's all this horrible things that have taken place, but God is working in and through it. See, God is at work even when when it's not going our way. So we always have to be focused on God's will, God's glory, not our will, not our way. See, what we have a tendency to do when things go wrong, we simply say, we always want to change the situation. Yeah. I want you to think about that. When things go horribly wrong, our first reaction is to change it, right? Like, you know, okay, just think about how Christians re- react. Okay, so someone gets placed in power and government and we don't like it. And our first thought says, we need to change it. We need to change it. Wait a minute. Instead of always focusing on changing the situation, Why don't we focus on obeying and glorifying God in the situation? Now, I'm not saying there's never a time to try to change the situation. I'm not, please hear me out. I'm saying our focus has to be, how can I obey God within the situation? How can I glorify God in it? We always want to change it. Focus on obeying God in it. We always want the situation to get better, to make it go away. How about we just say, God, what would you have me do in it? Because I know you're with me and I know you're at work in it. And I know that things are working according to your sovereign plan and decrees. And, and you know, it's working according to your providence. So when, let me ask you, when things go horribly wrong, and in a sense you find yourself in a pit being sold as a slave, is your first thought, Lord, change it, make it better, fix it, Get revenge, or is your first thought, "How can I obey, obey you, Lord?" In it, how can I glorify you in it? Do you want to change it, or do you want to glorify God in it? I, I, I think that's an owe oh me on uh, for me because I, I I want to change it. It's just amazing that here is Joseph, and it just seems like he's just well, he's just doing what he can. God is with him, and a note what he does, and Joseph found grace in, the, in his sight. And he served him and he made him overseer over his house, and all that he had, all that he had, he put into his hand. Joseph is doing so good as a slave. He's finding grace. He's he's being blessed in the midst of it. In other words, instead of instead of just pouting and being a horrible slave, he's serving. He's like, Okay, God, you put me here. I'm gonna serve you by serving, well, my master. That's just it's bizarre to me. It's not the way I would think. I would be like, I don't care about this guy. He bought me as a slave. I shouldn't even be a slave. I'm my father's favorite. I've had dreams. People are going to bow down to me. Why am I going through this? But no, 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 no. It's like, what? what? Okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to serve. And it came to pass... From the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake, and the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not aught, and he knew not aught he had save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and was well, and well favored. Joseph. Joseph's mere presence is making it better for everyone else. Joseph is not self-seeking, self-serving. He's serving his master and he's serving God. In fact, he's serving God by serving the master in the situation that he found himself. Instead of saying, get me out of it, change it. He served within it. He obeyed within it. And I can't, I'm not always good at this. All right, I've been I've been in bad work situations and all I could think about is how can I get out of it? How can I get out of this? Okay, maybe if I could talk to this person, maybe I could get that job. Maybe I can move here. Maybe I, and I'm always manipulating and scheming and like, instead of going, wait a minute, maybe God put me in this. So instead of trying to get out of it and try to change it, I need to focus on serving God and glorifying God in it. All right. A lot we could talk about this week in regards to that. But then here we go. Here we go. Verse seven. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph and she said, lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, behold, my master, what if not what is with me In the house, and hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Now this week, your memory verses is going to be seven through nine. That's going to be your memory verses seven through nine. I want you to just realize Joseph is a slave. He's been put there in an unjust way. uh, injustice has occurred. It was unjust for what his brothers did. He had been betrayed. He had been messed over and, and he's, he's a slave, but he's more worried. Like, how can I do this against my master? It, It would be wrong. And how can I sin against God? In other words i'm even though I'm in this bad situation i'm going to con- continue to conduct myself in a-, and, and, and a respectful way to to my master, even though I'm not here based on a for in, in a right way I'm going to serve God in this in this horrible situation and I'm not going to sin it's It's an amazing response because I'd be filled with so much bitterness and anger that the last thing I would have worried about is well <laughs> The man who bought me as a slave, I don't want to go against him. That would be wrong. I would be like, who cares? Oh, you know, you want to lie with me? Well, then let's, let's go. Who cares about your husband? He's a jerk who bought me as a slave. And God, well, you know, God obviously forgot about me a long time ago. Because I've been bought. But no, Joseph does not think that way. It's convicting to me. But here's the situation. Potiphar's wife, right? Um, In fact, let me uh, read this exactly, right? Uh, And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife or his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph and she said, lie with me. So Joseph is tempted. We'll we'll use that word or we'll state it this way. Joseph is there doing what he's supposed to be doing, all the right attitude, all the right actions. And then the, his master's wife says, hey, let's be together physically. All right? Let's, let's just be blunt. Let's have sexual relations. And Joseph refuses. Now, the moment she comes and tries to get him to engage in a sexual relationship, at that moment, temptation occurs. Now, there's a lot here we could talk about. I've already hinted at some, some concepts that we need to think about this week. But temptation is the subject for the week. And I think we almost in, almost constantly understand temptation mainly. I'm not, I'm not saying we do this consciously, but it's almost a subconscious thing. We think of temptation almost always in light of sexual sin someone is tempted when they they tempt they were tempted and they fell when it's something sexual but let me make it very clear you may have never fallen into any kind of sexual sin maybe you've just been you know the the example of purity and godliness and you're perfect right you've never lusted you've no, no pornography no fornication no adultery not you're just sexually you've got i mean you walk the narrow path and praise God for your purity, praise God for your godliness. But don't think you haven't succumbed to temptation in some other way, because temptation is not just about sex. Here, let's discuss the word temptation itself and what it means. Let's just do that, all right? Temptation. Temptation. The act of tempting enticement to evil by arguments, by flattery, or by offer of some real or apparent good. So temptation is the act of tempting, enticement to evil by arguments, by flattery, or by offer of some real or apparent good. So any enticement to evil, any enticement, is temptation. I don't it doesn't matter what the evil is. If you are being enticed to play favorites. We talked about that in last week's Bible study. That's a temptation. If you are enticed to betray someone. If you are enticed to bitterness and anger and wrath, that's temptation. Any enticement to evil By arguments, by flattery, or to offer some real or apparent good. Hey, hey, you need, you want to be bitter? Look what that person did to you. You have a right to be upset. Like, if it offers you some apparent good, that is temptation. We just always like, well, it's only about sex. And we've got to have a a better understanding of it. Let's break this down a little bit here, all right? Uh, Temptation. Solicitation of the passions, enticements to evil, proceeding from the prospect of pleasure or advantage. So a temptation is where you're being solicited. It's a solicitation of your passions, of your desires. It's an enticement to evil, and it comes from the prospect of pleasure or advantage. Look, you want this because of the pleasure it will bring or some perceived advantage you will gain. It's going after your desire and offering you some pleasure or advantage. Another definition here, the state of being tempted or enticed to evil. When by human weakness, you are led into temptation, uh, resort to prayer for relief. Okay, well, that's trying to get into answers, but it's the state of being tempted or enticed to evil. Another, that which is presented to the mind as an inducement to evil. So temptation is any attempt to get you to to deviate from God's standard of holiness and righteousness. Any enticement to evil, any enticement to deviate from God's holy standard is a temptation. It can be a temptation to gossip, a temptation to slander, a temptation to lie, a temptation to bitterness. A temptation to love something more than you love God. There's a there's so a, a, there's so a temptation to doubt, to fear, to anxiety, to to not be submissive in a situation where you're called to not obey where you're told not to obey. There are millions of enticements to evil that bombard you twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, and you got to see them as being sources of temptation, even if they're not related to sex in any way, shape, or form. And colloquial language, uh, temptation is an allurement—an allurement to anything indifferent or even good. You can actually be tempted to something that is good. In other words, temptation is just an enticement. It can actually a temptation can be enticing you to something good. It's just trying to entice you, using your passions, using arguments, using flattery, using whatever. We have to see. The power of temptation, we have to see what it does, what it do. We need to understand it better than we've ever understood it and really think about it correctly. And that's what we're going to do this week. So here is your task. It's pretty simple, All right. First, look up temptation and as many Bible dictionaries as you can find. That's simple. And just summarize. You don't have to write down like everything in the dictionary. Just summarize what, what is the basic idea of temptation? And, and and if you find something like, well, this dictionary said this, and I and I don't, you know, I don't know about it, whatever. Just summarize. And if you find any challenges or confused by anything the dictionary has to say, let me know. This is your homework. If you want to participate, you can email me your homework to newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. But just just anything you can find out about temptation in a Bible dictionary. Use as many Bible dictionaries as you can find. Look at, well, at a minimum, try to find three if you can and just get a basic idea. I've got, I've got the dictionary open right here, but I, I'm, not, I'm not going, I'm not going to, to read it to you. I just want you to get a, a basic idea. What is temptation? What is temptation, All right? Exactly what is it, All right. Then I want you to just look up the word tempt, tempted, temptation, and see how many times it's used in the Bible. Is it, is it? How many times is it used in the Old Testament, in the New Testament? Just do some basic things. What's the Hebrew word for tempt, temptation? What's the Greek word? Is there more than one Hebrew word? Is there more than one Greek word? Just do some basic word study stuff, right? You don't have to go full-blown word study, but just do a basic Basic concept, like look it up in a dictionary and then just like, okay, in fact, I'll just show you. It's probably not gonna be that hard to do, but I'll just show you really quick here. If I just go to uh, the Blue Letter Bible app really quick, Blue Letter Bible app, I'm just gonna type in the word. Let's see, I'll go ahead and put in temptation. Use 15 times in the King James. Temptation is used 15 times. The first one shows up in Psalm 95 8. All right. So, uh, and then uh, it it seems the word temptation itself. Now, I haven't looked up tempt or tempted or any other variation, but temptation is only used once in the Old Testament, and that's Psalm 95 8. All right. Um, But uh, you just look up all the variations. How many many different Hebrew words? How many different Greek words? What does the definition for the Hebrew word? Just your basic concepts. If you see something that you think, oh, wow, that's super, super confusing, or I didn't see that, or that doesn't make any sense, let me know what you discover, all right? So very simple, look it up, look up the word temptation in Bible dictionaries, then just do some basic word studies, all right? For tempt, temptation, tempted, any very, very, and if, and what, is there some other words that would, that would mean basically the same thing as temptation? What other words are used in the Bible that it may not use the word temptation, but it's basically saying the same thing. What are those words, right? We want to just get a good overview of what the Bible has to say in regards to this subject. Okay. right. There's there's two assignments. Three, just keep reading Genesis 39 over and 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 over. over. That's very simple. And then we're going to uh, memorize Genesis 39, seven through nine. I'm gonna put that in the Bible memory app. In fact, let me do it right now. I'm gonna do it right now. Go into the Bible memory app. And remember, you can download the Bible memory app in any app store, Bible memory app. You'll go to... uh, Uh, Groups, type in Theology Central, join the group. So I'm going to go to Genesis, uh, or I'm going to go to the Bible Memory app. I'm going to put a new verse. I'm going to put Genesis, and we're going to put chapter 39, and we're going to put verse, uh, see here, verse 7 through 9. All right, so verse 7, and then put verse 9. Okay, I'm going to import verses. No, I don't, I'm going to put uh, all three verses. Yes, okay. And let me see here if it showed up. Okay, Uh. well... Um, Okay, it broken down into three. All right, I'm sorry. I was gonna group them all together, but it broke, it broke them down. Genesis 39, seven, Genesis 39, eight, Genesis 39, nine. It broke them down into three different ones, but that's okay. It may make it easier for you to memorize them that way. I was gonna group them all together, but that's okay. Genesis 39, seven, eight, and nine. They have been added to the Bible memory app. They've been added. And see, I'm gonna hit done. And they should be there now yes, they are there. Okay. So they're there. And I'm just going to send a a, a message out on the app. Okay. Uh, see here. Nope. Let's go. New verses added. There we go. And then I'm going to hit post and now you should get a notification on the Bible memory app. There you go. You're set. You're set. So what are you gonna do? You're gonna look up the word temptation in a Bible dictionary, multiple Bible dictionaries, and you're gonna summarize what you find if you find something interesting or difficult. All right, you got that? Next, what you're gonna do is do a basic word study on temptation. That should not take you much time, should be very simple, should be very straightforward. get to work on it. Then read Genesis 39, one through 12, over, 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 over. Live it, breathe it, talk about it, discuss it, meditate on it, live in the story. Be right there in the story. All right. Live in it. Okay. Then um, I want you to memorize Genesis 39, 7, 8, and 9. Genesis 39, 7, 8, and 9. There you go. That's, that's a pretty simple uh course of study this week. A course of study this week. And I'm I'm still. Well, we'll just wait and see what how the week proceeds. That's what we'll do. We'll wait and see how the week proceeds. Because sometimes, like for last week, the spiritual pitfalls, there was one spiritual pitfall that I was wanting someone to name and no one named it. No one named it. Um, but I, I'm not going to mention it now. But so sometimes I kind of like, I've got something I want someone to grab onto and I want someone to ask. Sometimes people will, sometimes people don't. And so I have to decide, do I bring it up or I just... I just leave it alone. Um, here, I'm really hoping. I'm hoping that what we will discover is just like people go. Well, you know, I, because I, 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 if I'm honest, I think that a lot of people are going to just say, "Well, temptation." I mean, I, I, tell me. I'm going to. I'm going to throw this out. You can tell me if if, if you're wrong. If I'm wrong, some. I think for men, and I, 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 maybe I could be wrong on this, and you can tell me if, if, if what you think. I think for some, okay, I'm going to do this a couple of ways. I think for some, people will say, well, you know, I used to struggle with temptation a lot back when I was dating. But now I got married. I don't really see temptation as that big of a deal. I want you to just be honest. Do you really see temptation as a big deal anymore, or do you just don't really think about being tempted Right. do, you, do you, are you so worried that every time you pray you talk to to the do you mention to the lord constantly in prayer the areas where you're being tempted in or do you not really see like i think when in other words what i'm saying if you were a teenager or you in other words if you were if you became a christian and you were a christian when you were dating and you weren't weren't married yet you probably struggle you, you probably at least struggled in some way with the temptation of maybe engaging in physical relations or at least the thoughts the lust and all of that those those things but once you get past that and you get married then you may go like okay good got that beat that and then you don't really think about temptation all right so i think for some they're like well you know i don't i don't really struggle with that anymore now there are others uh, typically not always but typically it's men A lot of times, even Christian men who may say, yeah, I struggle with temptation and it's in relationship to pornography. They may still, but it's still connected to sex, not to, so the only thing you're tempted to do is pornography. That's the only thing, the only temptation you have. Well, man. You actually should be applauded because there's, I would think there's millions of other temptations you're dealing with. See, I think we have a tendency to like, okay, when there's certain stages in our life where we're like, man, temptation, 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 and then we get past that stage. And for many, we're like, well, I'm done with temptation. No, 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 no. You're never done with temptation. The temptations just Change. You can tell me. You may go. No, no, no. I've, I I constantly am aware of being tempted. Okay, okay. Well, then I stand corrected. I just I, maybe I just I have a feeling that we just don't. I just think that the the sermons about temptation typically go to the youth group. They go to the singles class, or they go to the people who are in some kind of treatment for addiction. Right. That it it goes to counseling about pornography. Um. I I just don't. We I sometimes yeah, I, I, maybe I'm wrong. You can tell me. I, I just have a feeling that a lot of people will say, ah, study on temptation. The people who will want to study on temptation are the people who are struggling with a specific temptation. And it will probably deal with, it'll probably be dealing with some kind of sexual situation. That seems to be the only time anybody mentions it. But I want you to know people in your church who've never had a struggle with sexual sin one time in their life, they still struggle with temptations. It's just different kinds. Any enticement to evil, any enticement is temptation. We've got to see it for what it is. And then we got to ask ourselves, and we know where we're going to be going. How do you resist it? That's going to be a big question this way. And you know what, what's really frustrating about it. Okay. Now I'm just going to, I'm just going to go ahead and throw this in there. Because remember, I always try to, I always try to get us to think outside the traditional church answers, right? Because this is the way the typical church handles it. Yes, you're tempted, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can resist all temptation. And you're like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. So you're saying I can be sinless? No, 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 no. You can't be sinless. Well, wait a minute. Then that means I cannot resist all temptation. So can I or can't I? Am I As a Christian, can you resist all temptation? You say you can't. So then that means we're all, not only are we going to struggle with temptation, we're always going to be guilty of succumbing and falling to it. How do you understand your Christian life in that light? Do you see your Christian life as a life of, well, I'm never going to completely win the war against temptation. I I just, in fact, while I was walking around trying to figure out what to do, I just, I was on Amazon and just looking for books on temptation and I just purchased one and immediately and the reason I purchased it is the book was how to have victory over temptation. And I'm like, oh, so this Christian book by a well-known preacher, I'm like, so this book, this book is going to tell me that I can have complete victory over temptation. Oh, Wow. That's amazing. I didn't know that that was possible because if I can have complete victory over temptation, that means I can be sinless. I cannot be sinless. Hopefully I can sin less, but I cannot be sinless. So then why are you telling people you can have victory over it? Can you or can't you? I, I can't seem to get a straight answer. Many Christians are like, no, 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 no. Don't tell people they can't have victory over it. Well, I gotta be honest. If if I'm going to continue to sin as long as I'm in the flesh, that means clearly I'm not going to have victory over temptation in a completed way. Positionally, I have victory over it because in my position, I don't sin. I'm perfectly righteous because of the imputed righteousness of Christ. But in practice, I will face temptation. I will struggle with temptation and I will fall. Not just once not just twice, but continually in some way, shape, or form in my Christian life. How do we understand the Christian life in that way? How does that change your understanding of temptation? I know I'm going to get a hundred emails going, no, no, no. How dare you say that? Listen, if you think you can have complete victory over temptation, fine. You just make a documentary of how you never sin. They said, "Well, no, no, no. I'm not saying that I will never sin. Okay. Well, then that means you cannot have complete victory. <laughs> it, it can't be like, no, I can have complete victory, but I will still sin. That that's that's that doesn't make any sense. So I, oh, I, I'm really, I don't know where. I, it's just going to be interesting to see where this goes. It really is going to be interesting to see where this goes. Um." Everyone has their formulas on how to overcome temptation. I mean, I was taught the formulas as a when I was a teenager and all the little uh, youth devotional books I would get. Here's, here's five steps to defeating temptation. You know what everyone runs to. I, I bet you can tell me right now, when it comes to sermons on how to overcome temptation, what does everyone tell you to go to? Come on, you know, come on. We always go to the story in the New Testament where Jesus was tempted. And they say, see, if we follow the principles that Jesus followed, we too will not sin. Well, wait a minute. There's a couple of issues here. Jesus was the eternal, holy son of God. I am the very much a sinner, (laughs) adopted child of God who still possesses a fleshly sinful nature. So if I just simply take your principles and voila, I no longer sin. I don't, I see, you see now this, this, I I, I want us to see temptation in that. See what we, everyone goes, see, Joseph didn't sin here. Boom. He did it. So, so you don't have to sin. Okay. Are you saying I never have to sin because it's possible? Yeah, I, I know. I ask the questions that you're not supposed to ask in church. I know. See, but I can get away with it because, see, the sanctuary is empty. So I can just ask anything. I can just ask anything. Nobody can get mad at me. Nobody can get upset. I mean, well, actually, you, you could, already I can hear this. People are sending me an email right now. But I would ask these very same questions if everyone was in the, in the sanctuary this evening because these are questions we have to ask ourselves. And no, and Christians never give me good answers other than just getting upset. No, we can have victory, perfect. No, we can't be perfect. Well, then what? Can, so, so you're saying we can have an incomplete victory? Okay. Well, then what does that look like? How many times can I fall into sin that it's still considered a victory? How many times can I sin? Because I will tell you really quick that the Bible says, be holy as I am holy. You're tempted every day not to be as holy as God. Well, because you're never going to be as holy as God. So that means you're in a perpetual state of sin. You're told to love God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. You're never going to do that. You're told, said to have a pure heart. Well, that's never going to happen. You're supposed to love your neighbor as yourself. You're supposed to turn the other cheek. I can just go on and on through the Sermon on the Mount. And by the time it's over, you're all condemned. So then, how, how victorious have you been? Well, I know I have victory. Well, like, can you can you explain it to me? And then, why are we to pray, "Lead us not into temptation"? What in the world is that all about? Yeah, lots of questions. What's the connection between temptation and trials? Is a trial a temptation? When is, it, when is it a temptation? When is it a trial? Right. But we could have a discussion about that. There are lots of things we could talk about this week. We're just going to take it one, one study at a time and just see where we go. And a lot of it's going to determine what you have to say in regards to all of this. All right. I'm going to stop right there. There's your study for this week. All right. Look it up in a Bible dictionary. Do a basic word study. Read Genesis 39, 1 through 12, over and over and over and over and, and memorize Genesis 39. Is it what? 7, 8, and 9. Genesis 39, uh, 7, 8, and 9. I believe that is correct. Yes. And I'll read them to you one more time. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph and she said, lie with me. But, she, but he refused and said unto his master's wife, behold, my master... What if not? What is with me in the house? And he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. Now, if you're going to memorize this using the King James, you may want to just look up what the word "what if not" "what if" W O T T E T H. What is that actually? What is that? What does that word mean? And just use a different word if you want to memorize it uh, that way. Uh, Because "what if"? I mean, what, what what is that? Verse nine: There is none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee because thou art his wife how then can i do this great wickedness and sin against god There you have it Okay i'll stop right there I I'm just I'm kind of waiting for someone to ask a question but there's no one here so I'm 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 done i've I've been preaching and teaching all day, and now I've reached that point where I have to say time out. So I've got to take a time out. I've got to go home. So um, I hope I've done a decent job. I always hate uh, introducing the Bible study exercise as the last thing I do because I feel like that I'm starting to kind of, you know, after hours and hours of talking, you're kind of like, man, did it, did I do a did I introduce that? Because you always want that introduction to be strong, but I kind of even started this with kind of going, well, I don't really know what to say because what what can I say about temptation that hasn't been said a million times? So I I, I hate that that that's kind of where we are. But maybe that's going to be the struggle this week to really think about it so that we get past maybe a lot of the things that we've held on to in regards to this subject that maybe we haven't thought about it correctly. All right. So we'll see. Email me newsif at yahoo.com. New week of Bible study, a new privilege, a new honor to be able to study God's word. Please take advantage of it. So a lot of people don't take advantage of the Bible study exercises. Tell I can look at the numbers of how many, I can look at the numbers of how many people listen to us in a week. And then I can compare those numbers to how many people listen to the Bible study exercises in that week. And sometimes it's now we we have good numbers for the Bible study exercises. Don't let, let I don't want to in any way diminish them. Great numbers, but in many cases they're far lower than when I do say a controversial thing like you know something about the news. Um, and I and I know people have emailed me said, well, but I've got my own Bible studies I'm doing. Okay, I, I would hope that our Bible studies are different enough that they would they would be you would be at least tempted <laughs> to to participate in ours because we we try to make them so much different than the average Bible study. I'm hoping that's what I can do, that the Bible study exercise can be a source of temptation, not to sin, but to uh, hopefully something beneficial. But yeah, we'll see. I, uh, it's, just, it's a privilege and an honor to study God's word, and I just hope we don't uh, skip our opportunities because we're so preoccupied with what we want to do which would be a source of temptation, right? Maybe? Okay, all right. I'll stop. Everyone, have a great evening. God bless.